Welcome to the APS Soup to Nuts podcast, where we explore the Attleboro Public Schools in greater depth. I'm David Sawyer, Superintendent, and with me today is Attleboro High School's new CTE Director, Jeremy Gay, to discuss career and technical education. Jeremy, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you came to join us at APS. All right, well, uh, I'm a graduate of a vocational high school. Uh, The summer of my eighth grade, uh, all I talked about to my parents was the fact that I wanted to go to the regional high school and I wanted to be a plumber. And uh, it was to the point where I talked about it so much that they were like, okay, we we get it. You want to be a plumber, we know. So um, I entered the school uh, beginning of freshman year, and I went through the exploratory process. And at the time, uh, they had, I think, 18 programs, and uh, we were able to go through nine. And... um, I went to the plumbing exploratory and I said, yep, this is it. I love it. It's everything I wanted it to be. And then I tried some other shops. And I tried the auto body program, which is now known as auto collision repair and refinishing. And I made an instant connection with the teacher. And the work was fun. Uh, I'm a car guy to begin with. And I went home that day and I told my parents, I changed my mind. And they were completely shocked. So... uh, I graduated from that high school. Uh, halfway through my junior year, I took part in the co-op education program, which was, uh, I worked at a local Ford dealership. Instead of going to school for that week, I was out there uh, gaining experience and earning money. And uh, so from the junior, halfway of my junior year to the graduation, I didn't show up every other week to school. It was a, it was a great learning experience, both skill-wise, but also you know, as an individual. And then uh, upon graduation, I continued in the trade. and. Um, I always maintain contact with my shop teachers uh, through the advisory committee, which advisory committees guide programs on curriculum, on tools and equipment, and what employers need and want from the programs. And I was always part of that. And in my early 20s, I was asked to come up and do some substitute teaching for that teacher that I had that amazing contact with. And I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I worked it out with my employer, and they said, go for it, go do it. They were very, very supportive. And uh, after my first couple of days there, I was bit by the teaching bug. I'd always thought I'd open up my own body shop or something to that effect, but uh, once I tried teaching, I was hooked. So I went through the process of getting uh, certified. In, in uh, June of 1995, I was provisionally certified as, a, as an auto body instructor. And then, uh, lo and behold, as of August of that same year, a position came up at my old school. And uh, October 2nd, 1995, I was hired as an instructor. And I taught for 14 years, both as a shop teacher, related science instructor, and then also uh, as a department head. And then in 2009, I became the assistant vocational director, which in some schools is known as basically a vice principal, with student discipline, teacher evaluation, budget preparation, and things like that. And also, I, I operated the co-op education program for the school, which was really exciting. So I did that from 2009 to 2017. And then uh, for the last couple of years, since 2017, I was the vocational director at uh, Dighton Rehoboth. And uh, so uh, I went from a regional vocational high school to a comprehensive high school with a vocational component. Uh, It's a smaller district, but uh, it was a great learning experience. And I met some wonderful teachers and some wonderful staff uh, students as well. So what uh, interested you in coming to Attleboro, and how did we get so lucky and... and gaining your services. <laughs> You're very lucky. Um, I was at my desk one day, and uh, it was just a regular good day, and I just realized that I had like a uh, uh, 
a moment from a mo- that movie, uh, George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. I want to go and do big things. And I do want to do big things. To do that, though, you need uh, a big organization. And uh, Attleboro is that kind of an organization. And this position, this opportunity came up. And I did some research. I looked at the programs that you have here at Attleboro, and uh, you have many, many programs. And when I was doing my research, I also discovered that you're building a new school. And in that new school, you're expanding the number of vocational offerings here at the school. I thought that was really exciting. And I thought that uh, that would be something I could uh, really be interested in and maybe make a difference and try to help the community. And it's so far, it's, it's been great. Well, we hope to uh, help you to capitalize on that opportunity. Uh, um, we're very excited to have you. So I, <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about career technical education, but I, I want to start with um, an experience that I think a lot of people uh, our age uh, would relate to. And I, I, you know, as a graduate of a vocational high school, I hope to take no, no uh, <laughs> offense at this, but, you know, in my own experience, uh, you know, junior high is a tough time in life, and uh, I certainly had my struggles. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I loved about high school is that on the first day of high school, I arrived and um, none of the bullies <laughs> came to school that day. And I remember finding out later that's because uh, none of, you know, they had all gone to vocational school. And I, I think there are a lot of people who still have that perception that that's, you know, kind of what voc school is about. But, you know, uh, f- I have long since learned that uh, career technical education in Massachusetts is not your father's voc school. And I, I was hoping you could explain to a little bit of me, to me and the, our, our listeners, how did that happen? What, what, what? You know, one, do, am I right that it's a big change? And if, if that's correct, you know, how did that come to be? It's been a tremendous change, and uh, that's why I went to the Vogue School. I was one of those kids. Oh. Well, I, no, well, I, no I, was, I was always very nice. I just, I just knew that the regular high school track was not for me, and I knew that from a very early, early age. And, uh, you know, and it, it's where those, those kids went. The kids that otherwise were either going to drop out or they were troublemakers or they had some other I- issues where they didn't belong in the regular school. You need to go to the Voc. And that actually happened to my dad because he wanted to go to the small in-town Voc school that we used to have in Webster, which was known as Bartlett Vocational High School. And his mother told him, no son of mine is going to that school. Hmm. And he wound up being a machinist. So they go figure. So um, over the years... The change has occurred relatively slowly, but then it really gained speed in the early 1990s. One of the components of vocational education is, yes, it's hands-on. Yes, you're in the shop classes. Yes, you're learning tools and using equipment and learning how to build things or fix things and things like that or design things. But with every hands-on class, there was always something called related science. And what that is is that was the classroom portion of that shop. So uh, when you're in automotive, you're learning how to take apart an engine and put it back together or change brakes. But in the classroom, you're learning the science that goes into that. Why, how do you calculate a bore stroke? How do you, in carpentry, how do you like square off a foundation before you build the house? That was done in the classroom. And then you went into the, the shop programs and then you applied your learning. And it was successful. And it was successful, the success was really coming to be known in the early 1990s with the Education Reform Act. And I can remember being involved with the vocational education uh, schools then it was like schools were 
those schools were really apprehensive about this oncoming MCAS test mm-hmm. because they're like, well, we have a 180-day school year, but you know the kids are in shop for 90 days, but they're in academics for only 90 days. So they're doing twice the education really in half the time. So a lot of the vocational schools, the regional vocational schools, were really apprehensive, and they didn't want to be part of the MCAS testing because they thought they would bomb the test. And everything is posted, everything's public record, and all, all the scores and the success rates or lack of success rates are all posted. So uh, there was no way around it. The Vogue schools had to partake in uh, that test. And guess what? Because all that learning was applied, the vocational schools, the test scores were really, really good. Yeah. And it's because, and I always go to this easy example of carpentry. And you have a student who needs to build a wall or build a corner or build a deck, whatever it may be, something with a 90-degree angle. And, you know, in carpentry, they say, well, we're going to use a 3-4-5 method. You're going to measure 4 foot off one wall, 3 foot off the other wall, and the distance between those two points should be 5 feet. And if that's true, the wall is square and you're good to go. Well, that's in shop. When you're in math class on the academic uh, side, that's called the Pythagorean Theorem. And the kids always say, well, why do I need to know this? Well, that's true in a lot of respects. But when you're in shop, you're doing it without even realizing you're doing advanced mathematics. Masonry, carpentry, metal fabrication, you're all using that 345 method. And you're doing advanced mathematics without even realizing you're doing it. And so that correlated into success in these standardized testings that you know gauge math and, uh, math and English and now science. So the success of the vocational schools can be, you know, the foundation is in those those uh, related science classes, and that's why the success rates are so good. Yeah, it seems like that potential was always there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that story related is, is sort of folklore. I've heard, you know, a tale of that moment when, you know, the, the, the folk schools were very concerned about being mm-hmm. held accountable for MCAS and tried to plead to the state that they shouldn't be for the reasons that you described. But I think the state did us all a favor, right, when they said, no, no, you have to do it too because it helped the, the, those schools realize that they really could do this. Mm-hmm. And it's gone on to prove that, you know, they actually have better than average results. So, right. um, you know, it, it, it was always quite capable. And that's where that um, perception of their ability to, to not only provide these relevant experiences but also to deliver on academic results uh, really came into focus for people. Absolutely. It codified all the work we were doing. And we were doing it doing it really without even realizing we were. So uh, so from there, you have all these really good uh, standardized test scores. And then you have people finding out about it. They're like, oh, that's not like my grandfather's vocational high school. Mm-hmm. And that's when there was a real big investment into those schools. And that's why you see now where... There are, you know, if you have a, the average vocational school may have 350 slots for freshmen, they're getting six or 700 applications for those seats. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, this is a, another extension of the benefit that Massachusetts has yielded from holding itself to high expectations. Yeah. And, you know, on the academic side of the house, you know, uh, Massachusetts is very proud of its, you know, longstanding record of being first in the nation um, on, you know, the NAEP. Uh, but it's my understanding that we're also a leader when it comes to voc education as well. Absolutely. And one of the greatest strengths of Massachusetts is, is that we all grew up with the vocational systems the way they were. They've ex- they expanded a lot in the 60s and 70s. Up until this day, there's been some regionalization. But no other state in the country 
does or delivers vocational education or career and technical education the way Massachusetts does. There's a tremendous investment. There are many, many schools with hundreds of programs throughout the state, and it's all standardized. So what's nice is that um, it's not just going in there, picking up a hammer and swinging nails. There are strict competencies that follow every student through every, every trade, through every school that they're expected to know. And so if you have a student who is up in North Adams in a vocational school, a carpentry program, they're receiving the same vocational education as a student here at Attleboro in the carpentry program in that, in that same year. So there's been some standard, standardization in comp throughout the whole state, and uh, it's really added to the depth and breadth, breadth that uh, can be offered. And I, I hear that uh, even foreign countries come to Massachusetts to, to see how we do it and, and to learn from the system that we have here. We do. And uh, they come from all over, the, China especially, the, because their population, they are, as we all know, they're really heavy into manufacturing and constructing things for us, you know, and uh, working on raw materials. And they have a, they have a huge workforce, workforce, but they also need to have a skilled workforce. It's not just somebody working on an assembly line. They need people who can actually get in there and do the job from start to finish. And um, one of the experiences that I had when I was at a regional vocational school is we actually had a, a contingent from Alaska uh, come and spend a week with us because they wanted to know how Massachusetts delivers vocational education. And, uh, and they, they had their own system, but... Um, mainly it was in the post-secondary level, which is what a lot of states do throughout the nation. But Alaska sees the benefit of offering vocational career and technical education to high school students because it's a formative age where they're like sponges and they take in information and they can relay that into working with their hands and working with their brains. It's, uh, Massachusetts is doing it right. So we talked a little bit about how, you know, with We've moved away from the Volk school mentality towards, you know, career and technical education. Can you talk a little bit about what that term really means? And especially when we talk about, we're bragging about how good Massachusetts does it. You know, what does career and technical education mean in Massachusetts? It means the be you're going to get the best of both worlds. You are going to, uh, you're going to do all your core classes in mathematics, English, and science. But you're also going to get a trade, a career, a skill, a marketable skill. And um, one of the important things to realize is that students who participate in career and technical education overall in Massachusetts, especially because of the way we deliver the system, they experience uh, higher graduation rates. They experience higher daily attendance rates, higher scores on standardized testing. And we also track these students post-graduation. And they are, they are retaining they work in the trade, or they are uh, involving themselves in post-secondary education. And the, uh, what also goes along with that is their completion rates for post-secondary education are far greater than their counterparts. So th it's really a win-win situation. There is very little, there, is, there are no negatives as far as I am concerned with vocational career and technical education. It benefits students in every way possible because one of the most important things that you see when you, when you when you walk through these departments and you see these students, you know, applying their knowledge and applying their skills, the only unfortunate thing that they don't post at the state level with all the other indicators that we're held to is the happiness indicator. These students are genuinely enjoying what they're doing. And when you have a student who's happy, 
who is enjoying applying their knowledge, working with tools, and working with their counterparts, that is a student who is going to come to school, who is going to try harder because they want to do well in all their classes because they want the benefit of partaking in career and technical education. It's, uh, it, it, it can be, for some students, it's life-changing. <clears throat> so circling back to the anecdote I had mentioned before, for, for students who, you know, might not be buying into school, mm-hmm. the argument's an easy one to take, right? right. You know, this is, this is a, an enjoyable experience, and so someone who might not feel, be feeling about school finds a way to feel good about school and find success. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. But for parents who have kids who, you know, are not having that experience, that they're, they're fine in school, mm-hmm. they enjoy going to school, they do their work, um, I sometimes think that we're still encountering an attitude of, well, you know, I don't want my my child to be committing to a trade <laughs> at this age. You know, what would you say about the benefits to them? And is you know, is that true that we're pigeonholing kids by you know giving them these experiences? I, I think the most important thing for any parent to do, and you know, we both have children, so we always want what's best for our children, <clears throat> and by not exploring a particular avenue, such as career and technical education, you're almost, I don't want to say you're doing a disservice, but you're not opening up that student's view to what the potentials are. And, uh, you know, there's still a, a connotation, connotation that vocational education is not for me or my child. And that's fair. But, and that's one of the reasons why we're changing the name. Originally it was vocational education, then it was vocational technical education. Now it's career and technical education because that's what it is all about. It's about a career. And you see where students or people nowadays move four, five, six, seven different jobs over their lifetime. Well, that may be true. But what are their careers in? What are they doing? And the thing that they learn here in the shops is they learn a marketable skill. They learn how to do something, be a plumber, be a carpenter, work in in the culinary arts field, whatever it may be. But aside from that, they're learning not just those skills. They're learning how to, learning how to learn, learning how to adapt, learning how to be part of a team. They're learning entrepreneurship skills because we all, there are common core skills that we teach these students, entrepreneurship, management, and self-reliance, and things like that. So it's a, it's not just picking up a tool and working with it. It's everything that goes along with being an employee because we are training these students for the world of work in the world of post-secondary education. And that's why they have great success rates because they're well prepared. So that's why those success indicators that you were talking about, um, you know, are better for these students because the skills that they're learning are largely transferable. Correct. Even if they are embedded in a specific trade. Correct. A skill is a skill. And, uh, you know, and they are completely transferable because they're learning that, hey, I need to show up to work today. I need to show up on time. Whether you're working individually or part of a team, you have things that you're responsible for. And, you know, when these students are working on a project in these departments, they're responsible for that project. It has to get done. You know, if they're, you know, uh, cooking a meal that's being catered in culinary or they're building something for a customer in carpentry or, you know, the, you're getting your brakes changed in automotive, there's a timeline. There's an expectation. And so, you know, these students at a young age are held to demands because that's what's 
that's what it's like in the world of work. We all have demands. We all have deadlines, whether they're self-imposed or imposed by our supervisors. So these students are learning that at an early age. So therefore, when they transition out of high school, whether it be to college or to career, or both while they're working at night and going to college during the day, they know that they have to get these things done. So in, a, in many ways, these students are very well prepared, not just for the world of work or college, but life. So it seems like we're taking the old paradigm of, you know, a liberal arts education versus some sort of, uh, you know, specific training, and we're inverting it because, you know, like I, I went and, and, and was a philosophy major in college, right? <laughs> and so I learned esoteric stuff that has no practical value in the world whatsoever. And yet, like you were talking about, what I actually learned while I was at college is I learned how to learn things. Correct. Uh, you know, I left knowing that if I can figure out, you know, German ideology, then I, I, I can figure out anything I need to. Mm -hmm. So um, it sounds like that's what we're talking about with career and technical education, too. We're taking that technical training, mm -hmm. but we're taking a liberal arts sort of framework for it mm -hmm. and saying, if, we, if you can learn this skill, yeah. you can learn any skill, yeah. and you're going to be okay because... You know, as we know, uh, many of the jobs of tomorrow haven't even been created today. And right. so rather than worrying about trying to guess what those are, we need to, to teach kids the, the, the skills that you were talking about so that they're going to be okay wherever they go. 100% correct. And I agree. Adaptability. You need to be able to say, okay, I need to do this. This is how I'm going to do it. And then they get it done. And whether it's working in a department here in one of the shops or in life, they know how to get things done. They have the tools, not not the physical tools, but the mental tools in order to get get the task completed. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, like again, it goes back to that happiness indicator. It's unfortunate there's no way to, to rate that at the state level and, and just say, hey, look, this, these students are not doing, not just doing well on all these different indicators, but they're happy and they're enjoying themselves. And that's... Uh, when you have this, when you have the tools to be able to work through a situation, whether it be in life or at your job, that makes you a better person, a happier person. So, um, Attleboro High School is a comprehensive high school, mm -hmm. and most of your experience comes from a regional vocational high school, right? Correct. So, could you talk a little bit about what the difference between those two experiences are? Because, and maybe we should talk a little bit about the difference between chapters seventy and seventy-four in the law, mm -hmm. and how you know those interact in those two different environments. Sure. Um, so a regional vocational high school, uh, it's, it's a one district, one building school where they house grades 9 through 12. And depending on the size, size of the school, they can have anywhere between, you know, six or seven up to 25 vocational programs. There are about 40, I think 48 Chapter 74 programs offered or uh, uh allowed by the state of Massachusetts. And what they do is they operate on a week on, week off schedule. So on one week, you would have your 30 hours every day, uh, six hours a day, five days a week of your shop time. And on the other week, you would then go into your academic core classes. And you would continue that all four years through all your training. Whereas in a comprehensive school setting, um, because here, the students, most of the students, I should say, well, not all the students, but a good portion of the students are not involved in CTE. There's about 1,750 uh, kids in, the, in Attleboro High, and there's about 650 or 700 students in CTE 
not including the 400 or so freshmen that go through exploratory. So there are a number of students who have no contact with CTE here at all, but the students that do, they have academic classes every day, but they also have their CTE classes every day. So instead of being week on, week off, here at Attleboro, like most comprehensive schools, they get blocks of time during the day, and uh, that's how they get their training. So, you know, a lot of communities went the regional route. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think back in the 70s is when yeah. this really sort of took shape. Um, and Attleboro was a community that preserved its uh, vocational school. And some, some cities have an academic high school and mm-hmm. a vocational high school, both in the city, right? Right. Um, there's the regional. And then, but Attleboro went, it's one of only a handful of communities Correct. that have gone the comprehensive route. And um, at times that's posed difficulties for us because, <laughs> you know, we are trying to balance between our Chapter 70 responsibilities and our Chapter 74 responsibilities. Correct. But it seems like as the value of career and technical education has grown uh, in the 21st century, Attleboro really stands poised to capitalize on this treasure that we have as mm-hmm. a comprehensive high school. And really, you know, the the building that, you know, is, is, is being erected aside us right now um, is just a tremendous opportunity to, to, to transform our educational experience. And it's, it's, it's really worked out as, as, as a pretty fortuitous moment. <laughs> it's... Attleboro, with the new building going up and the investment that the city has made into career and technical education, it is going to be the shining city on the hill of vocational education. There's no doubt in my mind. One of the one of the benefits of being a comprehensive high school, Attleboro offers a full board of career and technical education courses, but it also offers all the academic classes with electives. But there's something that is offered in a comprehensive school that most regional vocational schools can't offer. And that's, you have music, you have art, you have, you know, uh, all these different languages that you offer as well. So students here truly get the best of everything. They get the career and technical education, they get the full, uh, full slew of uh, academic courses and electives, and not to mention that beautiful new building that's going up right next door. So we have uh, 12 programs now. Uh, we're, we're adding robotics this fall, so there'll be 13. Plus, we're looking to add dental assisting, uh, HVAC, and cosmetology into the new building, which is tremendously exciting. It's expanding. We're going to have 17 programs, maybe more, who knows. But that's, that's my own opinion. But uh, these students are going to have so many options and so many different avenues they can go down. It's going to be truly an amazing sight to see. Well, it seems like we're only scratching the surface here at this topic. Uh, uh, perhaps we'll have to come back another time and we can dive into uh, the programs themselves and talk about the plans for the future. Does that sound like something you'd be willing to do? I have a lot to say. I'd love to. Well, that's wonderful. Jeremy, thank you uh, for joining me today. Uh, Attleboro is fortunate to have someone with your depth of experience at the helm of this vital area of our district. Uh, I look forward to sitting down with you again next time we can talk about those programs. To all of our listeners of the APS Soup to Nuts podcast, uh, thank you for listening.